I would like to share with you uh, this evening just a, a message really of hope because we've all been through a lot and I think it's really a, a wonderful idea for us to remember who it's all about and what we can have hope in. And I have a question before we get started this evening and that is where do you go or who do you run to when you're fearful or are in trouble? Many will run to a family member, perhaps a uh, a father or a mother, perhaps a spouse, maybe a best friend, a co-worker. And unfortunately in the world, God is not usually the first one that people run to. He's usually the last. But hopefully all of us have learned things as we've grown in Christ. Hopefully we've learned to run to him for the very first time we run into trouble. And I think that's a really good thing. It's a really good policy to have. Because he's the only one who can help anything. I've seen things, and so have you, things that have happened in life, and what seems like an impossibility, somehow, some way, God comes through. And he does. He's done it time and time and time again. And he is never, he hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And so we can, we can trust him. But what I'd like to do tonight is through the account of the nativity, which is the account of the birth of Jesus Christ, we're going to look at three different people groups or people, and we're going to see how they were in a very difficult, challenging, and sometimes impossible circumstances. And we'll see that as for them, as well as for us today, the answer, the solution is really the same. And it's always has been and always will be the word of God. The word of God, that is what we need to count on. And the word of God. And we're going to look at the life of Mary and Joseph. Number one, we're going to look at the life of Ahaz, the king of Judah. And finally, we're going to look at our situation right now that we find ourselves in in America. Specifically Americans, but it's certainly not limited to just America. It's the world. But I'm going to speak to Americans tonight. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the nativity, which is the time, the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. And we're just going to go through this and a couple other verses. It won't take us long to get through all of this. But the Lord kind of struck me with this as I was thinking about what to share this evening. It's always been the word of God. And so that's why we're always encouraging you to be in the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible. And it's not just this leather-bound book that we carry around. The Word of God is also a person. The Word of God, Jesus Christ. Where do you run to when you are hurting, when you're confused, when you're frustrated, when you're fearful? Do you run to the Word of God Run to the word of God or run to the word of God. It doesn't, you, you run to him, you run into him. What does the Bible say? The righteous run into him and they are safe. And that's what we want to do. But let's look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 26 because the very first part of this chapter is about uh, Zacharias being in the temple, uh, who is John the Baptist's uh, father. And he is approached by an angel in the temple, which was very startling to him. And it was the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel was telling him that he was going to give birth to a son. And that he would actually go and prepare the way for the Messiah. 
But we get in verse 26 here, and it talks about the Annunciation to Mary, when the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her, aren't you glad that God in his grace and kindness decided to tell Mary what was going to happen before it happened? Because can you imagine, she was a virgin. She had never been with a husband. She was betrothed to Joseph. And all of a sudden, she's starting to get sick in the morning. And next thing you know, she's getting a little bump in the front. And she's like, I know what this seems like, but this is impossible. (laughs) And yet God in his grace tells her in advance. Isn't that like a good shepherd? He goes before you, tells you what's going to happen, and then he does it. And see, that's what I love about the word of God. He tells us what's going to happen, and then he does it. And then that encourages our faith, does it not? It does. So let's look at it. It says, verse 26, says, Now in the sixth month, because uh, John had, was, was giving, um, uh, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was giving birth to John the Baptist six months prior, but it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Notice the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary is a very blessed woman. She was, there's no doubt about it. Every woman in Israel, from their very infancy up until they're, you know, they're a teenager and beyond, they all had the hope within them that maybe I'll be the one to bring the Messiah into the world, because they all knew of this verse that we're looking at tonight. They all knew of Isaiah How, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Every single young lady in Israel, as they grew up, they're thinking, maybe I could be the one. Maybe I could be the one. And God comes and he tells Mary. And he says, rejoice, highly favored one, Gabriel says to her. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was naturally troubled at this saying. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And I am so glad. Do you know that you have favor with God? You have favor with God. You have favor with God because of what he has done for you. And all you had to do is receive that gift of salvation that Jesus has appropriated for us. I don't know about you, but that's the greatest gift that you can receive at Christmas is salvation. The gift of salvation, it's a gift that God gives. For God so loved the world that, what did he do? He gave. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus. He is salvation. In fact, his name means Jehovah Shua, which means Jehovah, which is God. Shua is salvation. God is salvation. That was his very name. Joshua, his mother would call him. But when she saw him, she was troubled, and the angel said, Do not be afraid, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, or Joshua. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Can you imagine? This was really encouraging for Mary, because the angel is is, is telling her, reminding her of something, isn't he? 
because Gabriel is reminding Mary of the prophecy that Jacob gave to his son Judah before he passed away. You recall in Genesis chapter 49, while the children of Israel were still in Egypt and Jacob was on his deathbed, he brings all of his kids around and he says something to each one of them. He prophesies over all of them and he gets to Judah and what does he say? And this is in Genesis 49 verse 10. It says, the scepter or the right to rule, the right to be a king shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh was a name for Jesus, the Messiah. That's what it means. Until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of all the people. So he was the prophesied one that would come into, and this is all the way back in the book of Genesis. Notice now back in our text in verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Notice forever, underline that, because this, can, this is an office that not a mere person is going to fulfill, but it's going to be somebody who can live forever. And is, Are you aware of anybody else who is able to live forever other than God? There is no one. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Is that what it says in John 1, 14? So he will reign over the house of Jacob, not just for a season, but forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now what's really important about this is as he's sharing this, Mary is probably thinking about some scripture passages perhaps. She may be thinking about Daniel. Remember when Daniel, in the second chapter, God gave to Nebuchadnezzar a dream of the world empires that were going to be coming on the scene, including his own, and he goes through this, you know, these different, um, this, the statue of gold and and the, the, the breast full of silver and the, and the thighs of, of, of brass and then the iron of leg, you know, the legs were iron and then the feet were the iron mixed with clay. And he was speaking of these different empires. And notice what it says in, in the 34th verse of Daniel chapter 2. And Daniel's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, You watch while a stone was cut out without hands which struck the image at its feet, at the very foundation of this image. And the whole thing came crumbling down, and it's speaking of Jesus Christ. His kingdom will thwart every other kingdom, every other world kingdom that will ever come. His kingdom is without end. And what he says at the very near the end in, in that same chapter in verse 44, it says, It, meaning this mountain, this this." Um, reign of Christ is going to break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand what forever and so Mary is putting these pieces together as Gabriel speaking to her and she's probably remembering Daniel she's probably thinking of back in Genesis they knew these scriptures pretty well and it reminds me also in this chapter, or, or in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, here's another verse that we see in a lot of Christmas cards. What is it? For unto us, and again, prophesied 700 years before Jesus would even come incarnate into Mary's womb. These words were written, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be able to, um, he will be in authority over those governments. And his name will be called Wonderful. That makes sense. Counselor. Hmm. It gets more interesting now. Mighty God. Are you serious? The son, this child that's going to be born is going to be Mighty God. Mighty God, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Okay, now we're getting way out there. 
Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, this one is equal to God the Father. No surprise because he is Almighty God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. One with the Father, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We know these things. But notice what it says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It will always continue forever. Mary's thinking to herself, oh my goodness. This is what every little girl has been dreaming of. And it's going to happen to me. It's happening to me right now. As the angel is speaking to me, the Spirit of God is planting that seed in her womb just like that. Joseph had nothing to do with it. He was probably out making furniture. And notice, upon the throne of David, his, over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Even forever. So this baby that we, that we worship is none other than the Son of God, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ, and it was his blood on the cross that paid for you and I, for what we deserve, God, God paid that price for you and I. All we have to do is believe in him. What a great deal. Do you think that's a great deal? I think that's a great deal. That's a great gift. In fact, that gift is so much greater than anything the world could offer you. If somebody was to say, I'll give you the whole world. In fact, isn't that what the devil told Jesus when he was tempted in the desert? I'll give you everything. Just bow down once and worship me. There's a way around the cross, Jesus. All you got to do is bow down. And Jesus said, mm, I don't think so, because it's, gonna be, it's mine anyway. It's on loan right now. You've got control over it now. It's only because I'm allowing it. But I'm coming back, and I'm going to be that stone that's going to hit that feet, and all those world empires are going to come to nothing. And I alone, Jesus said, I will rule and reign from there for a thousand years and on into eternity and a new heavens and a new earth. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. So back in our text in verse 34 of Luke chapter 1, so Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Well, that's a pretty good question. And Mary, by the way, you've got some explaining to do to your family and friends when they see this little bump and you're, you're, um, you're betrothed to Joseph. Because believe me, people are going to talk. You think rumors and whispers were something new in the 20th century? No. It goes all the way back. This poor young lady was going to suffer persecution. Because who would believe her? I mean, this was a mind blower because, and notice what the angel said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. Here's what's going to happen, Mary. He's going to come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And that Holy One who is to be born shall be called the Son of God. This blew her mind. This blew her mind. Because, folks, listen, this has never happened prior to this moment. It has never happened. And guess what? It will never happen again. The virgin birth has happened once in history. It will never happen again. It will never happen again. The virgin birth of Jesus is one of the hallmarks of our Christian faith. It is an irrefutable tenet of the Christian faith. And why is it so important? Because it had to be the son of God, not the son of Joseph. Do you understand that? If Joseph had anything to do with it, we don't serve God in the flesh. Does that make sense? But because God's seed is planted in her, now it's truly the son of God, not the son of Joseph. Follow me? That's incredibly important. That's why it's so important. The virgin birth, you remove the virgin birth and you mess with the deity of Christ. You cannot do that. That is heresy. The Bible speaks very clearly about that. Amen? 
And unfortunately, Mary would have to live with the specter of suspicion all of her life. She and Joseph both, they, they, wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be superstars. Nobody's wanting their autograph. They're looking at them with suspicion. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll believe that when I see it. Oh, the Spirit of God did it. Oh, how convenient. You can hear it, can't you? And think of what they endured, both of them. Now notice in verse 36 of our text, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. I like that. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And now when Mary rose in those days, she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, who was her cousin. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, meaning John the Baptist, and Elizabeth's womb leapt inside of her, and she spoke out with a loud voice and she said, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Lord evidently revealed to her that this one that was in Mary's womb was Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he showed it to Elizabeth. And the very forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, responded spiritually from her womb, started to shake because John's going, I can't wait to get out of here because I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> right? He's got a lot of work to do. For indeed, as soon as the voice of the greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, and there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then we have what we call the Magnificat, which is a song of Mary. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Notice, Mary needed to be saved, just like all of us. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Notice, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Returned to her house. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 1. We're kind of going chronologically here in the, in the birth of Christ. So Mary here has seen this angel Gabriel come to her, telling her what's going to happen. And boy, she is going to undergo some real critical scrutiny. People are going to be looking at her funny. Now let's take a look at Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, notice what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother was betrothed, remember, underline that, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. You know that in that culture, uh, arranged marriages were very common. In fact, there would often be a contract, a marriage contract, drawn up between the fathers of both of the, of, of the people involved, the, the man and the woman. Their fathers would get together, draw up a contract, and they would legally be married. 
And for one year, they would be called, they would be betrothed to one another. They were literally legally married at that point, but they would not consummate that marriage until the end of that one year period. And in that one year period, the bride would, there'd be, it'd be a test to, to, to test the purity of both subjects. And now there's a problem because you know what's going to happen within that betrothal period. All of a sudden, young teenage girl, Mary, she's developing a bump. She's starting to wear maternity pants. <laughs> and then Joseph, her husband, let me repeat that. It says, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Spirit. And then notice verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. He was minded to actually divorce her and end this thing. Because he couldn't understand it. And do you really blame him? Do you really blame Joseph for having the questions? Because guess what? It's never happened before. And if I were Joseph, I would be feeling the same thing. But notice the grace of God. What happened? Then, I'm sorry, but, verse 20. That's a good word to uh, circle. But while he thought about these things, the Lord, knowing exactly what he was thinking, and rightly so, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. And again, I love the fact that the angel is reminding Joseph of his heritage. Son of David. That angel didn't say that for nothing. He's reminding Joseph, as, he, as angel Gabriel told Mary, this one is going to be of the son of David, on the throne of David. And now he's coming to Joseph and he's saying, Joseph, thou son of David, and I can imagine he's saying, uh, why did you say that? Because you're about to have a son, and you had nothing to do with it. But he's going to come through your line, through yours and Mary's line of Judah. And notice what he said, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and, G and she will bring forth a son, and she will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How many of you have been saved? How many of you are, have the Spirit of God in you that you know you're born again? So all this was done, verse 22, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And here's our verse of the night. Isaiah chapter 7, 14. What did the angel say to Joseph? And this came to pass... It was all done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, speaking, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so the, the prophet Isaiah is being brought up into this conversation. This angel is referring him back. This is no mistake, Joseph. This was prophesied. 700 years before, before, before you, this was happening. This is going to happen. No need to worry. Don't be afraid. Take Mary to be your wife. And what's important in these two passages that we just read is that they both, Mary and Joseph, were perplexed beyond measure. They've never had anything like this happen before. It's never happened. It's never happened. 
And this great blessing that was bestowed upon them would come at a great price as they would be looked, looked upon again with scrutiny and suspicion all their life. And so the question is, what gave them the hope? What was their hope in this very difficult circumstance? What was their hope? Let me suggest to you that it was the word of God. And you may be saying, what do you mean? Well, who was it that came to Mary? Gabriel. Before she started to show The angel Gabriel, sent by God, comes and tells her, oh, by the way, this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. The very word of God came to her, encouraging her, giving her hope. Mary, you're going to go through some tough things. Because think about what would have happened if God had not spoken to her, and all of a sudden she had to figure this out by herself. There would be no recourse. She would probably be stoned. Because that's what the law required for someone who was out of wedlock And something like that would happen. So the Lord, he saves her life. (laughs) He gives her the word that is, nobody could resist that. And can can you imagine looking at her? I mean, they could have hooked her up to a polygraph machine like they do in the cop shows. And see if she's lying. And they'd hook up all the electrodes and her pulse and her, you know, sweat and all that stuff. And then they'd say, are you sure that that's what the angel said? And she would say exactly the same thing. And they're like... She's telling the truth. Well, of course she's telling the truth. (laughs) But it was the word of God that came to her. And what happened to Joseph? The word of God came to him. And the word of God came through the prophet Isaiah, this very verse. Notice the virgin, not a virgin. Do you understand the difference? The indefinite or definite article, when you say a virgin, that could be any virgin. But notice the Bible says, the virgin. There's a one specific young lady that God had in mind, the virgin. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 7. So the word of God comes to Mary and Joseph, giving them hope for what is about to occur in their lives in a very difficult situation. Now look with me at Isaiah chapter 7. This is a a chapter, oftentimes we read a verse like this and we see it on our Christmas cards. We don't understand the context in which it was given. And this is the thing that just hit me over the head. It was so wonderful. Because just as Mary and Joseph were going through this difficult time of of how are we going to answer these questions that people are going to ask, And no matter what we say, they're probably not going to believe us anyway. They were in a strait. Wouldn't you agree? And notice with me in Isaiah chapter 7. There was a, it says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but they could not prevail against it. And then what happens here, I'm just going to summarize for the sake of time. The Lord tells Isaiah and his son, Go talk to Ahaz, king of Judah. And I want you to tell him something. Now, one thing you have to know about Ahaz, remember there were two different kingdoms in Israel, right? There was the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. Ahaz was the king of the southern two tribes. And Pekah was the the king of the northern ten tribes. And even up further north was Syria. And he was the king. uh, The king over Syria was Reason. And so these two people, these two groups were going to come against Judah, And believe me, they deserve judgment because Ahaz was one of the most awful kings that Israel had ever had. This man was evil completely. You can read about it if you'd like. 
You can read about it in, in, in this chapter in 2 Chronicles 28 or 2 Kings chapter 16. Talks about this king, very evil king. He had it coming, but I want you to show you something that's really awesome. Notice that in spite of his unworthiness, in spite of his idolatry, and God, he really infuriated God because of his sin. Now he sees the northern ten tribes, the king, and also Syria. They're going to come down and attack me. And Ahaz is starting to shake in his boots. And God tells Isaiah, go and I want you to give a message to Ahaz. And here's the message. Here's the message. Say to him, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands. For the fierce anger of reason and, and Syria and the son of Remaliah, speaking of Pekah, the northern ten tribe king. Because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remaliah plotted evil against you. And this was what they were going to do. Let us go up against Judah and trouble it and let us make a gap in the wall for ourselves. And notice, set up a king over them, the son of Tabel. So it was basically going to be a coup. It was going to be a coup. And Ahaz is shaking in his boots. And God and his grace. Can you see God's grace in this? If you know the kind of king Ahaz was, he was a very evil man. He had it coming. And God says, Isaiah, I want you to go tell him that it's not going to happen. The odds are very much in their favor. And you are going to get creamed if I don't inter interrupt this whole thing. And so what does God tell him? Thus says the Lord God, verse 7, it shall not stand. It's not going to stand, nor shall it come to pass. And then finally, you can read the rest of that, but I want to get to this. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz, Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And my question, when I read this, and I was kind of chuckling in myself, because I'm thinking, haven't you tested the Lord up to this point by sacrificing your son in the fire, your sons in the fire, and doing all these evil things? Wasn't he testing the Lord? And God in his grace is saying, you ask a sign and I'll tell you, because I want to encourage your faith right now, Ahaz, because you are in a strait. You are going to be demolished if I don't interrupt this if I don't intervene you're going to be bye-bye and he says ask a sign he's like no I won't I won't tempt the Lord are you kidding me you're not going to test the Lord you've been testing me for ever since you were born <laughs> and now you're going to say I won't test the Lord and so God says here now O house of David it's a small thing for you to weary men but will you weary my God also therefore the Lord I'm going to give you a sign Ahaz whether you want it or not here's the sign behold a, the virgin the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and you should call his name Emmanuel one of the greatest prophecies of the Bible there's a lot more to this that we don't have time to go into. But notice God's grace in a time where, you know, this verse we read on a card and we don't understand the, what's happening behind it. He was in a strait. And what was it that came to him, just like it came to Mary, just like it came to Joseph, the word of God came to Ahaz. It's not going to stand, Ahaz. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow it to happen. They want to bring a coup and they want to replace you with another king, but I'm not going to let it happen. Now, they had a lot of other troubles, and there's a lot to this event. But God didn't allow him for the coup to be successful. And do you think Ahaz thought in his heart, well, I really deserve this. God came to my, you know, 
came on my behalf and saved me from these two kings. No, I'm sure he felt very unworthy. And it wouldn't be long after this that the northern ten tribes would be taken captive by Assyria. But again, what was it that, that gave Ahaz hope? It was the word of God through the prophet Isaiah. Through the prophet Isaiah. So what about us? United States citizens. Citizens of this great country. This year, we know this word unprecedented. It's been an unprecedented year with a number of challenges, hasn't it? We've had frustrations. We've had fears. We've had health issues. We've had, some of you have had deaths in your family. Some of you have had COVID and are, 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 have recovered fine. Most of you, I know some of you have had it in the past and you're fine now. There is, after all, a 99 point something recovery. It's pretty good odds. But between the pandemic, the economic things that are happening, the jobs, the chaotic election, which is still undetermined, we've all been hurting or suffering, not to mention the emotional, physical, and psychological trauma that many have gone through, especially teenagers not being able to go to school, many people just kind of losing it. So what is your hope? What is our hope? It's the same. It's the same that it was for Mary. It's the same that it was for Joseph. The word of God came. It was the same for Ahaz. The word of God came and spoke. And the word of God has come and has talked to us. The Lord has spoken to us. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1? God, who at various times and in various ways, he's spoken times past by the prophets. Haven't we heard the prophets speaking? There's many more. There's a, there's a ton of scriptures about Jesus in the Old Testament, about where he would come from. There's tons of them. But God, who in, 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 in various times and in various ways spoke in time past by, uh, to the fathers, by the prophets, now has in these last days spoken to us, spoken to us, and even those back in the first century, he spoke to us by his son. And what are some of the promises? The promises of hope that Jesus spoke to us, to his disciples, even, and, they're, and they're still here for us today. What did Jesus say that night when they were in the upper room before he would be crucified, that fateful evening? In John 14, what does he say? And this is a really a great balm, a really great comfort for all of us in America right now, because I tell you, don't you need to be comforted? What did Jesus say to John in that upper room? What did he say to his disciples? He says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Are your, is your heart troubled tonight? I'll be honest with you, my heart has been troubled. I'm coming out of it. God has given me a special grace, and he's bringing me out of this cloud that I've been under for a while. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Notice, in my Father's house, guys, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I am going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may also be. What is he speaking of there? He's speaking of the rapture of the church. 
I'm going because remember, 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven and he has been interceding for us. He has been preparing a place for us and he's coming back for you and I. And I hope it's tonight. The kids are going, not tonight, wait till tomorrow. After the toys are opened, wait till after we eat. Get our tummy full of ham and all that other stuff and cookies and pie and punch and then, Lord, at the end of the day, take us after we played with our toys. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. However, these are things that Jesus has told us. Let not your heart be troubled. Will you take that verse to heart tonight? Let not your heart be troubled, American Christian. I believe we're going through something, and I believe... We may be surprised. We'll see what happens. But also in Matthew 28, after Jesus' resurrection, what did he tell his disciples? Jesus came to them and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Not only in all in heaven, but in, in earth too. That's, that's really a good point, don't you think? Go therefore, and here's the command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and notice this other promise, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is Jesus here with us tonight? He is. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. We have every confidence that he's here. In fact, sometimes I wish I had an app on my iPad or my phone where I could just, you know, it's like an appear button where I can just say, and I press the button and he appears. Let me suggest to you, family, loved ones, if we were to do that tonight and he was to stand right here and appear before us, we would all voluntarily or involuntarily, we would fall at his feet the brightness of his glory, we would just automatically, just without even thinking of it, we would hit the bricks. (laughs) And we'd be going, oh Lord, you're so wonderful, you're so great, I can't imagine, I can't believe you're here with us. But he's here with us. You have every confidence, and I love that, don't you? It's so wonderful. Now as Christians, we also have another promise. Even though this was originally given to the children of Israel, I believe we can appropriate this scripture to ourselves. And what is it? This is a serious one. And that is recorded for us in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Kind of funny, Isaiah 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Notice what it says, if my people, and of course, in the context, he's speaking to the Jews, but this is also applicable to us. Because the concept is still the same for us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's no better time for us American Christians to do this very thing. To ask God to forgive us. Anything that we have done corporately, Calvary Chapel of Rochester, me, you, whatever we have done to grieve God, say, Lord, search me and forgive me. And he says, I will. If you meant that from your heart, I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. Would you pray this week, the next several weeks? Keep praying it. 
Search me, O God. Make me one of yours and help me to get serious about you. Help me to love you with all my heart. Will you do that with me this week? Next week and the week following? In fact, don't ever stop. Always be in that place. Does that make sense? So those things are for the believers, but what is your hope? For those of you who may be here tonight who are dragged here by your family, maybe you, your neighbor dragged you here tonight, what about you? What is your hope? You've got a great hope. Jesus Christ. I've got some good news and some bad news for you, and then we're going to wrap this up. But I'm going to tell you the bad news first, because the bad news has to be spoken before the good news. We know that the good news is the gospel. That's literally what gospel means. It means good news. But why is it good news? It's good news because first, there is really bad news. There's really bad news. And what is that bad news? The Bible says that we were all born with a sin nature. And it all goes back to that catastrophe that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, when God told them, you can eat anything in the garden, but there's one tree you cannot eat of. And I'm sure all the other trees were glorious. Can you imagine young, young folks, kids, all these fruit trees, and they're all loaded with, and the branches are just laden with fruit, and they're big and juicy, and it's ripe, and you just pull it off and eat it. And God says, you can eat anything you want, just this one, just this one, this one over here. Just leave it alone. Stay away from it, please. Don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. And that's the one thing that we want. Got to have what's on that tree. And Adam, or Eve, was deceived by the serpent. She took, she ate, her eyes were open. This relationship with God just fell right to the ground. Her spirit died and she gave to Adam and he sinned. He knew it was wrong, but he did it. She took and ate of its fruit, and she also gave to her husband with her, and then the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And from this moment onward, every person was born with a sin nature, a, a, a soul, a spirit that was dead to God. It's called an old sin nature. It had no life in it. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. But see, the bad news is that there was sin. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, says, Therefore, just as through one man, through Adam, one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. All have sinned. We are all sinners. We sin because we're sinners. And hopefully most of you tonight have received Christ already, but there may be some of you who haven't. Tonight is the night. You have to make that decision because the Lord loves you so much. He loves you so much. He paid the price. All you have to do is acknowledge it and receive him. It's that simple. It almost seems kind of illogical. I'd like to pay for it. And God says, no, you don't have to pay for anything. I paid for everything. See, religion is about doing things so that I can be right with God. God says, I've done everything. Just believe it. What? you got to be kidding me. The stumbling block of stumbling blocks. But will you simply believe what the word of God has said? Will you believe what Jesus has said, what the prophets have said? 
Just simply believe and you can be saved. The Bible says in Ezekiel 18 verse 20, the soul that sins shall surely die. That is the, that is the remedy of sin. There is death for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 8, 3, 23. And then in Romans 6, 23, it says something even more exciting. <laughs> the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, and I think of Jesus as a gift. When you think of your gifts under the tree this year, think of that. Think of what God has done for you. He has placed salvation of his son, his death of his son, and he has placed it in a little package underneath your tree and said, will you open that one? Open that Open that gift, the gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that he, God, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish forever and ever and ever in eternity in hell, but have everlasting life in heaven forever and ever with God. I don't know, the decision sounds pretty good to me. I think I'll choose Christ. How about you? Because that's the truth. That is the truth. In Romans 10, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then without the shedding of blood, there can be no taking away of sin. That's why Jesus' blood had to be shed for you and me. That is the good news, folks. That means that God will never look upon you and say the debt is not paid. He's going to look at you. In fact, isn't that what he said on the cross? He said the, it's It's finished. The price has been paid in full for every human being who would receive Christ and confess their sin. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? It really is a beautiful thing. There is no other way. Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen, Enter by the narrow gate. The narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. It's open for every single one, but that gate and that road is narrow. But everyone just goes single file on that line, and you are all invited. Every single human being who's ever been conceived in the womb, ever and ever will be, is invited on that narrow path. I've taken that challenge. I've taken that, that not, not just a challenge, I've taken that into my heart. I know that I'm his. Are you his? Young ones. I know you're young, but you're not too young. You can receive Jesus into your heart. Because the Lord loves you. And do you know he's got a great plan for your life? More than you could have possibly imagined. I remember as I grew up, I had dreams for myself. I had things that I wanted to do. And God interrupted my plan, and I'm so glad he did, because I was heading down a road that was going to lead me in despair. And God got a hold of my life, and he changed me and turned me around and made something completely different. Completely different. If you were to tell, if you were to tell me, you know, 25 or 26, 27 years ago that I'd be here and a pastor of a church, I would laugh and probably run for the hills. Say, not me, not ever, not now. Isn't God wonderful how he does stuff? He's got a great plan. And I'm more blessed now than I've ever been. God's plan is the best. It is the best. And I would encourage you to give your heart to him. Give him everything. 
Let him have you completely. Say, Lord, take me, take me, just take everything. I want to be yours, Jesus, everything you've got. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through him. There's no other way. It's a very narrow road, isn't it? It's through one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the one who is the Savior. Jesus spoke to a very religious man, and we're going to end here. And for those of you who are young tonight, I want to encourage you again, and for the adults, Jesus spoke to a very, a, a very religious man who appeared on the outside like he had everything happening for him. He, he had the robes, he had the hat, he had all these things, he, 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 he had a semblance, he was, he was a well-respected man, he followed the things that were right and did those things. And Jesus came to Nicodemus, and remember what he said in John chapter 3? He said, Nicodemus, you're a master in Israel. You've got it all together. And I imagine Jesus is smiling on him with compassion. He says, but you need to be born again. All this stuff that you've been doing, it's all about me. It's all supposed to be pointing fingers to me. And here I am, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus didn't quite understand He says, can I crawl back in my mama's tummy again and be born again? Jesus saying, no. The wind blows where it wills. You don't know where it's coming and where it's going. So it is for everyone who is born again of the Spirit. Being born again is being born from above. That old nature that we talked about, remember when we talked about Adam and Eve and when they sinned, this, that this spirit that was dead now in them, that was perpetuated, and everybody born after them had a dead spirit in them? God wants you to give you a new one. He wants you to give you his Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes upon you. He comes into you. He takes up residence in your heart. And you know that. You want to know how you know that? Your life starts to change. All of a sudden, you really like church. <laughs> All of a sudden, you really start, you like to read your Bible. All of a sudden, the pages and the words are coming off the pages, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'll never forget that day. I've been reading, you know, the Bible here and there over my lifetime. Didn't make any sense to me. Ah, whatever. You know, I just tossed it away. And oh, what a difference it is when the Spirit of God came into me and I was born again. I started reading the Gospels and my mind and my eyes were bugging out of my head. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Couldn't believe what I was hearing. And that's the difference between someone who is born again and someone who's not. And God wants to give you that boldness. He wants to save you so that you'll never be apart from him. Does anybody here want to be apart from God forever? To be apart from him? I don't think anybody does. We want to be with him, right? We want to be with him. So I want to encourage you tonight. After we pray and after we're done here, if there's anyone that would like to receive Jesus Christ, even you little ones, you come up with your parents You don't have to come up, by the way. You can go home and you can pray with your parents. But I would encourage you tonight, especially you little ones, go home tonight. And before you put your head on that pillow, you get together with your mom and dad and say, Dad, I want to receive Jesus. I'm not quite sure what it all means yet, but I want it. I want to be born again. I want to know that my ticket for heaven is stamped and I'm going to be with Jesus no matter what. 
And that is the truth. When he makes a promise to you and he comes inside of you, he's not going to take that back from you. He's not going to take salvation back from you because it's a work that he does. And the works that God does are perfect and they're holy, they're right. And when he does that in you, believe me, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to live a life and you're going to make your mistakes, but you just keep confessing and you keep seeking him and you're just going to be fine with him. You keep going. You keep going. Give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus tonight. Adults, give your heart to Jesus tonight. And for those who have been born again for some time and you've, you're, you're missing the luster and, the, and, and the, the, the excitement that you used to have, rededicate your heart tonight to Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I've gotten cold. My faith is old. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My prayers are cold. But I know how I should be more of you and less of me. Was that Steve Green? Oh, what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The water is you, or the oil is you, your spirit of love. Wash me anew in the power of your blood. There is hope. There was hope for Mary. There was hope for Joseph. The word of God was their hope. There was hope for Ahaz. The word of God was his hope when he was in a dire situation. For you and I, American Christian, there is hope for us because Jesus has not changed. Put your hope in him. He loves you dearly more than you can possibly imagine. And I can tell you that with all of heaven on my side. Young ones, tonight, give your heart to Jesus. You'll never regret it. Give your heart to Jesus. Adults, give your heart to Jesus. Rededicate your heart to Jesus. Amen? Why don't we stand and let's pray. And then we'll have Sarah come up and she will lead us in one final song. Father, we thank you for this time and pray that you would encourage our hearts. Lord, help us to to receive you into our heart tonight, God, if we haven't, and to rededicate our lives to you, Jesus. You're so wonderful, Father, and we are so thankful. We are so glad to worship you tonight. It is all about you, Jesus. How we love you, how we thank you. Bless our families. Lord, bless our times together. Keep us all healthy, Lord. May we have the best Christmas we've ever had this year, tomorrow, this evening. May it be the best that it's ever been. And everyone said... Amen. After Sarah has uh, shared with us, she'll close us out in a word of prayer, and let's go home and enjoy our families. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Amen, Lord. We are so thankful that you came. Lord, we're thankful that you defeated death. Lord, and we're thankful that you are coming soon to take your place as our king. Lord, and we rejoice in you. Lord, we rejoice in the hope. Lord, that you are returning soon, and we will be with you. Lord, and we look forward to that day. Lord, I pray that you would just bless every heart here. Lord, help us to just enjoy your presence, God, during this season. In Jesus' name, amen.